You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even To making data simple, I appreciate your listenership, uh, and uh, as always, please provide any feedback you can on whatever uh, form you're listening uh, to this pod- podcast on. I am going to talk about Spark today, or Apache Spark. Maybe it should be Spark in action, and I'll tell you why in a bit. Uh, but to help me do that, I've got Jean-Georges Perrin. And I've known John George for a long time. He's a fan of Informix Database, where I've been a fan of for a long time, and that uh, that's where, more or less, I, I started started my career. But John George is currently the Senior Architect, Director, and Executive Consultant at Veracity Solutions. I, I think they need to find yet another title for him. Uh, he's already got a ton of them. Uh, and he's formerly a data and software architect. Before that, he was a Director of Cloud Software. He's done a lot of different roles. He describes himself as internationally recognized or as an internationally recognized leader in design, development, launch, and expansion of multicultural startups and development teams. That's a mouthful. But um, John George is, you know, I guess in, in, in short, is an entrepreneur. We're going to talk to him about Spark. We're going to talk to him about a little bit of whatever comes up, whether it's data or whether it's just about John George. So, uh, John George, welcome. I know you're always up to, to something. I'm going to let you de- describe yourself. Um, and this is how I'll start. I'll say this. Can you just not hold down a job or are you always ahead of the time? Hi, <laughs> uh, Al. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Uh, well, it's true that, uh, that I had a lot of experiences, and I kind of love the dynamism of being a consultant. Uh, but recently, uh, recently, as far as yesterday, I actually am the director of engineering for a company called We Experience. So all that is over. I'm going to focus on just being a director of engineering for, for a wonderful startup here in Durham, North Carolina. So, see, things are changing as fast as that. So, you're already, this is a new venture that you're setting up, setting out on? Uh, yeah, I'm not starting it, but I, I think I missed the startup environment. I've, I think I've been, I've been an entrepreneur since college, uh, my first, well, probably even high school. So, yeah, I've done that a lot in, in, in France, and, and I think the climate in France was not fantastic for for startups, but that's, that's another podcast. But, uh, so, so I, I moved to the U.S. about three years ago, and uh, yeah, I've, I've done consultancy most of the time, but I kind of missed really the, the startup spirit. So I'm really glad that uh, I'm going to onboard this new uh, this startup here. That they just did their, their um, Series A, and uh, I cannot talk, I cannot say anything anything more. Uh, but uh, it's going to be a fantastic adventure for sure. Well, what what what's your role again in the new role? In the uh, new- director of engineering. So. All, all data, all software, all analytics, all that, and I want. Um, there's going to be a lot of AI. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, of experience, of uh, design thinking, a lot of things I've learned thanks to my uh, uh, to to my love for IBM. 
So that's yeah. Nice. So you are you reside in the U.S. now, right? I am. Yeah, I moved to uh, North Carolina, uh, where the weather is actually rainy, but uh, usually it's pretty good. And um, climate, uh, the business climate is good too. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm very close to uh, IBM RTP here, uh, which is a wonderful location, wonderful people there. Uh, create a lot of friends around here. Nice. So uh, I, I get it that it's probably worthy of another podcast, probably in terms of a political climate. I'm still going to ask. On the France side, is it what inhibits uh, startups? I mean, where, where's the frustration at, if you wouldn't mind saying? Just, it, oh, sure. Um, well, the, the, the labor laws in, in France are very protective of their people. Um, that's a big difference with, with the U.S. I think it's a bit it's a bit drastic in the U.S. in terms of unprotection or non-protection. Um, but I think it's it's really going too far in in France. And um, for, for example, the thing is, you you want you want to protect your employees. Okay, you want you want them to be, you, it's, it, I think it's not only good human behavior, but it's also good business behavior, good business practice to take care of your employees uh, when you can. We, we're not, we're not in the 19th century Great Britain uh, with with workers in, uh, in factories and mines. Okay, so so things have changed. So, uh, but 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 the labor laws have. Basically, not changed that much. There's a lot of a uh, uh, public government employees that have not the same rules as private sector. Um, when you hire when you hire people, um, it's it's really difficult to actually really to, to get rid of them if you need to get rid of them. Um, so a lot of companies go down because they have to they, they cannot really get rid of the of the over employees in term in, in bad in bad when the you know when the economy is bad and on the other hand when the other the economy is getting better um, um, CEOs and, and companies are afraid to hire more because they've got this this risk of the economy going back down so so it creates this this um, this kind of, of making things a little bit less dynamic than it is here in the U.S. Um, and, and that's and, and you're 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 much more constrained to the public domain in France than you are in the U.S. You're I still have a lot of friends over there who are kind of waiting for for a government decision or a local government decision to move to do something, even if it's for the good of the community. Where in the U.S. you kind of my my impression is you move first and then you ask questions later. Um, so so that's a bit of a difference. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's very tough to you know really uh, foster an incubation uh, a startup in in France where where in the U.S. it's it's um, it's more conducive to do so. I got it. So let me uh, let me ask you though, how do you describe yourself and what you do? Because uh, I, I know you've done consultant uh, consulting. I know you've been in the data field. I know you've started businesses. Uh, I know you've also started pushing the envelope around data science. You're a little bit everywhere. I mean, how do you describe yourself and what you do? I think I'm just a software engineer. 
Um, <laughs> All right, that's simple enough. Elaborate yeah. <laughs> on that just a little bit for me. Okay. Well, the thing is, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm giving quite a few talks, and, and I, and actually, I just gave a, a, a we had a meetup at, uh, on Spark at, um, at an IBM location here, and uh, I, people, people wanted to know a bit, you know, about, about the speakers, and, and uh, I. I think, well, the thing, one, one thing I'm sure is I started doing software when I was 12, okay, so that, that was back in 1983, and, um, and, and, the, and I, I stopped loving it, okay, so the thing is, you can, I, I don't even know if I'm good at it, but you, you, you need to, you need to understand things that are kind of connect to, to, to all to all the software thing. Okay, so you can't just oh I'm I'm going to be very good at, at every languages. You've got to understand that in part of the of an ecosystem. And um, I think that that's that's a bit of a transition to data where what's the goal of software without data? And um, and I think I was you know sometimes you, you think about your past and, and I think actually my, my first big data problem was was back in 1984 because out of my Atari 800 XL, what I wanted to do is control the traffic light in the city where I was living. Okay, so that was really kind of IoT and connecting, collecting all this data. It didn't work. Okay, I didn't go further than the, just experimenting with the idea. But uh, but um, um, but I think that's 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 it. Uh, it's just being a software engineer because I love engineering. I love I love designing things, and you've got. To to go before in the process, so that's your, where you look more at being an architect, and you go also after in the process, and well, you and me have experience with support, okay? Um, back in 97, uh, when I started working for 4 development tools, I started as a support engineer. Um, so I think you've got to have this kind of 360 vision of software, but down, down, I'm just thinking I'm a software engineer. So, but you've also you're kind of a serial entrepreneur, right? I mean, you, you have several startups that you you at least founder or co-founder of. Yes. Yeah, I did. Uh, my first startup where I was a co-founder was an internet com- internet service company back in '95 in France. Um, we were the first service provider outside of Paris. Um, this company was called the Pandemonium Group. Um, the joke was all the demon, all the Unix demons, Pandemonium was was there. So that that was that was kind of a nickname for the company. Yeah. And then in 2002, after I left for I created a, a company called Awoma where um, my, my goal was to simplify the software development and make sure that productivity of developers uh, increased. Okay, so, so so the idea is that that was a bit like a you know in the same scenario as as what I was doing for 4 js where developers are expensive. Let's work out how we can actually make uh, developers more affordable and and build frameworks, build tools that increase productivity. Um, so that that kind of yeah that 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 was kind of the value proposition of Awoma. Um, unfortunately, I think I don't, um, I'm you know software engineers and business are not that good uh, together, or at least well I'm not part of the where you're good at business. Uh, so this that this was not a, a commercial success. 
Um, and then after that, I created a company called Green Ivory. Uh, that was back in 2006. And the, the, the idea of Green Ivory was not really in development tools, but was more around um, considering the internet as a big, huge database where you can grab data and publish data. And we built a, a, quite a few tools for e-marketers. The idea was to have a complete portfolio of e-marketers. So that was 2006. That was, you know, okay, the internet was starting back in, I mean, popular, like 93, 94 um, on, but, but in 2006, that was only two years after uh, Google's IPO, um, to put things back in context. And in 2010, we were doing, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's funny because that was, that all happened in France where there's not a big delay, but there's some still a delay from where, you know, the, the naming and all the technologies of what you hear in the U.S. when, when it, it's actually the French shores that um I was I was doing big data. I didn't even know I was doing big data. Um, I was doing um, AI. We were doing NLP a lot. We were doing NLP at scale. Um, we were doing sentiment analysis that back in 2010, 2011. So that's what that was. That was really super innovative and super interesting. Um, the idea was to analyze the impact of brands and how brands were perceived on the internet. So yeah, uh, and when Green Ivory finished in 2014, then I said, okay, no more. And here I'm back on a startup. You had it, and then you're, you're right back to where you started. Well, you know, yeah. it's, like it's, it's like drug addicts. It's very difficult to quit. It's in your DNA. I got it. So, one of the, so let's jump right in, because the, one of the things that brings you here is you've recently wrote a book, which is on the, the topic that I started out this podcast with, and that is Spark in action. And let's just start at uh, fundamentals. What compelled you to write the book? I think we've got a common friend uh, who you interviewed not not too long ago, uh, Rob Thomas. And and I think he was responsible for that. Um, so I started doing Spark and using Spark like in 2015, um, not, not really knowing what I was doing, not really completely understanding the, the complete, the, you know, the whole picture of it. Um, I did my first project delivered back in 2016, but it's really until I've seen uh, Rob on on stage where uh, at World of Watson, where he described um, Spark as an analytics operating system. And and that's where I think that that kind of made a tilt in my mind. Um, And at first, well, I was a bit doubtful, um, but I, I, I tried to dig a little bit more trying to understand what Rob was trying to say there and finally um, I completely you know I completely embraced the idea and not seeing it being developed more I said okay well I've got to do something um, so that was one of the motivation to write a book on Spark and and from this angle Spark has an operating system and the, the other there was two other mod- main motivations was a, a lot of people assume that because Spark is written in Scala. You've got to write application in Scala. I I don't have anything against Scala, but I don't have anything for Scala. And I think there's so many Java developers out there that it, you don't need to add the complexity of learning Spark, learning Scala on top to Java developers. So I think that's that's one of the angle of the book. And the second as a 
kind of the third was that a lot of rumors out there saying, oh, Spark is an evolution of Hadoop, so you need to learn Hadoop um, and before you learn you learn Spark. And to, to be honest, I've never been convinced by Hadoop. I've, I've, even when I was doing big data, we used a, a hybrid solution based on uh, Informix and Elasticsearch, um, and that was that was giving us crazy performance. So we didn't really need any anything like Hadoop. So, but the, the the evolution in terms of analytics and especially operating analytics operating system like that um, make, that that was that was clearly Spark. So I kind of skipped the Hadoop part, and I don't I still don't see why you would need to learn Hadoop before you go to Spark. So um, I got a lot to dive down in here. Uh, first thing I'll say is I did like the cover of your book, which it's like a colonial man and a woman on front, and I can see the glean in the gent's eye. So I presume that's a pun on the word Spark. It's very French. <laughs> Nice and done. Very, very French line. All right. Um, and I'm, so I got some questions on the spark, but hold on for just a second. So how does one go about writing a book? Uh, let's just get that out of the way. I mean, how do you find time to do that? Is that something you like set time every weekend, set time every day, or just block out a ton of time and get it done with, get it started, get it done with and finish it off? I mean, how do you, how do you go about writing it? It's, it's, it's a crazy process. I, I told my editor several times that if I knew beforehand, I'm still not convinced I would do it. Um, and this is going to be a huge piece. Uh, it's going to be something like uh, it's 600 pages, uh, 18 chapters. So, it, so it's 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 pretty big. Um, I started in in uh, I signed my I signed my contract with Manning in 97 in 97 in, in October of 97. So to give you perspective on how much time it took mm-hmm. on where to find time, um, I started doing it um, on weekends and. And I thought that would be enough, and <laughs> it's not. And uh, <laughs> and ask. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing is, also, I have a family. Okay, so so I care about them. So I kind of wanted to spend a lot of time with them as well. Um, so so I had to find something. So I actually I get up every morning at 5:30. I am um, I'm starting my day by writing a couple of hours in the book, and uh, hopefully I try to have a you know a little bit in the evening not too much and on weekends as well and so right now you know i i had my my job uh i'm starting my next job like next monday it's a full week where i can actually talk to you um i can also write write a book like from from 5 30 to 6 p.m um so so that 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 gives me time to crunk things out a little bit so fantastic that's good so now i know uh and by the way uh, that's not unlike most of the other authors that I've heard where they start their morning first and they get up and start writing because that's the best time to, to get something done, feel like you got something done, get a couple hours away, and then get back to, uh, to your day. You said that, you know, like you were listening to Spark uh, with Rob uh, Thomas when he was talking about Spark as the analytics op, uh, operating system. Um, you talked about it. Some people think it's an evolution of Hadoop. I agree with you. I think most people look at uh, Spark and Hadoop, uh, they they go hand in hand. So why don't we just start with the simple questions. What is Spark? 
And, you know, I think there's even some people out there that think it's more of a fad and it's it's not here to stay. Obviously, you must be on the other side of that. So what is Spark and why is it going to be around for a while? So I answer the, first, the second question first. Um, well, data, data keep growing. My crazy idea of 1984 of controlling the uh, traffic lights uh, with an Atari 800XL is probably not going to appear, but with the technology we have now and the, the, the power we have now, we need, we need something um, that, that is going to grow um, in a pretty linear fashion. And, and that's so far my experience with, with Spark. Is, is, it's growing, it's, it's scaling um, very, very nicely. Um, it's, it's ability to, to, to handle in a smarter way both data in memory and on disk uh, makes it a, a pretty nice tool. Um, it's also it's also designed as a platform. So on some specific things, yeah, you've got better tools. Okay, like uh, if you look at structured streaming within within Spark or streaming within Spark, you will probably have better tools for just streaming. But the ability of offering a unique API for that, it makes Spark a, a tool to stay. I mean, it's it, that's 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 what I deeply believe in. It's a good fundamentals for a platform where you can extend it, where you can when you where you can build your applications on. So so I don't think it's going off the market anytime soon. So so when would I use it, and when would I not use it then? So far, I. As long as it's data processing, uh, you can use it anytime. Okay, it's it's a bit like it's not going to be a transactional system, so it's not going to be to replace your point of sale system, and it's not going to be uh, you know this aggregation of data uh, in informics that that Walmart, Home Depot is doing. Okay, that, that's that's not where Spark is is doing that. But after that, as that's really where the analytics takes place is when you want to take your data and you want to, to start doing analytics with it, um, that's where it shines. But I've also used Spark a lot uh, for data pipelines. Uh, one of the use cases I worked on was to have uh, data on on-prem and trying to create a very high velocity data pipeline from on-premise to the cloud. So the customer in this situation will kind of stuck with the SQL server cluster they had they had on-prem and they could not really make it evolve or it was it was it was under a lot of production constraint all the time. But they keep wanted peop, wanting people to leverage the data in the in in SQL Server to for all kind of analytics or all kind of application and, and expose all this data and so we we actually managed to implement um, a very nice way to extract the data from SQL Server leveraging uh, change data capture CDC um, and and bringing all the data into uh, the target was a with Elasticsearch, but uh, leveraging all this pipelining through Spark, and one of the one of the prerequisite of the solution was to be able to maintain several versions of schemas. So, so it means that if there was a change in SQL Server, we would not impact down the road the, the schema of the document 
um, in in um, in Elasticsearch for three versions. Yeah, that makes sense. No, that's good. So let me let me wrap this up from a book perspective. I mean, all good information on Spark, and I think there are many folks that uh, will be interested in hearing this. So what will I take away from the book? What will the audience take away from the book? Well, you will be at the end of the book. Um, you will be definitely a proficient Spark developer, a Spark in, Spark application engineer, um, a better data engineer. It's not, you know, it's when you write a book, it's it's very difficult to to stay completely on focus all the time. So that's why I've got an editor. Um, she's doing a great job of torturing me, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, um, so I also, you know, I also let go as much as I could all this, all the kind of nuggets I gathered for 25 years. Okay, so um, how, how do you uh, how do you integrate um, better libraries in, in, that works with Spark? How do you leverage your code? What's what's the best practice for doing that? Um, so this is this is all the kind of stuff that I've I also used in, in, in the book. I think yeah, the audience is going to get uh, you know a ton of value from. So look, thank you for being on. I do got a couple quick questions for you to wrap. Sure. Um, just about you. Uh, you know, we first met as part of the IIUG, which is the International Informix User Group Board. Uh, you've been an IBM champion for for many years. I wanted to ask you from your perspective. Maybe I shouldn't in, in front of a, an audience here, but uh, what does what does the IBM champion mean to you? And, and um, what, what what doors is it has it opened for you? IBM is probably the company I have most most respect for. Um, it's it's been consistent as a company as as ever as I knew it and I looked at his history over time. Um, I, I I I really you know I, I came I came through a little door to the IBM world uh, when when IBM decided to uh, acquire Informix. Um, at that time I was uh, I was. Doing a lot of work with, with Informix, but I, I saw that as a wonderful opportunity. Uh, I often use a line that, uh, oh, uh, a few years before the acquisition of Informix, uh, IBM acquired Lotus and kept Lo the Lotus brand for very long. And I was just kind of daydreaming that IBM would keep Informix as the data brand, um, but this did not really happen this way, um, unfortunately. But but. Uh, so, but but the thing is, I, I I admire IBM's consistency in in research, in in product development, in the way it follows business. Um, like, okay, PC are not going to make any more money, so uh, we are not able to compete with with you know. Uh, compact or any anything else. so let's 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 put that away and 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 I, I think even if if people can be bitter about some of this move as a business uh, as a businessman um, I think it, it was really a smart move uh, oh and all that it's it's not about only the PC there was just an example but 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 the consistency about what IBM is is constantly innovating is constantly exploring new ways so uh, last question then I'll ask you and then I'll uh, give you your time back. You're a busy guy. Because you're a busy guy, here's the question. What does a French guy in the U.S. do for fun? 
Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think I'm. I, I think I adopted a bit of the American lifestyle. Um, I'm. I'm. I love the outdoors, um, even if 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 my shape doesn't look like it. Um, we 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 recently bought a, uh, an Airstream, and we love going out on weekends. We take we take the truck, um, and we take the Airstream, and we just uh, go. Well, we cannot go all over the country yet, but uh, you know, we, we go to Virginia, which is that close. We go to the mountains. I love Asheville and the mountains here. Uh, we go we go to the coast. So, yeah, I, I love I love doing that. It gives me uh, uh, such a bowl of, such a bowl of fresh air uh, that it, it's it, it, it's it's great. It's also probably because I don't shower for a weekend. <laughs> that, that's probably my French aspect of not watching. Very French like, but I think other than that, you're very, very much Americanized. <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, you. We we appreciate you gave us a lot of a lot of information on Spark. We'll put the information and your contact information as well as where to get the book in the show notes and. Uh, Hopefully you'll see a lot of uptake um, with all the listeners going out there, and, and uh, I'd love it. See. So, all right, hey, thank you so much, JDP, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Sure, thanks a lot. See you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcasts to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out. Over and out.